Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Freedom from Worry by guest speaker Mark Connor. As a kid growing up, I was telling Sonia a little earlier this morning, um, I was a pretty shy kid growing up, um, struggled with some confidence, had a lot of insecurity, inferiority, I think. Um, I'm a PK. Anyone know what a PK is? A preacher's kid? Yeah, a preacher's kid. My dad used to call me a TO, which stands for Theological Offspring, which is a, a little higher class of preacher's kid. So I'm a PK. I'm really tall, in case you didn't know. I kind of bring my own platform. So I'm tall. I'm a preacher's kid. And uh, I used to have bright red hair, believe it or not. Bright red hair. In fact, my, my eyebrows still have a little bit of the auburn in there. So, um, you know, red haired, tall, preacher's kid. Used to have a lot of nicknames in school, like Carrot Top, real creative, you know. Uh, Big Red was another one. Uh, a creative one was Towering Inferno. <laughs> Used to get called Towering Inferno. And then uh, I lived in America for a while. I went over there when I was nine, and um, I told a guy, my name is Mark, and he called me Mike for about 10 days. And then he eventually goes, oh, Mark, Mark, Mark. So I had to learn to say, my name is Mark Connor. And so I developed a bit of an all-American accent. And I came back uh, high school uh, year, I think it was Form 3 back in those days. And um, uh, it was the days of happy days. Do you remember happy days, the Fonz? And I was the splitting, spitting image of Richie Cunningham, you know. <laughs> so I rock up at school. I'm already redhead, tall, preacher's kid. And, and uh, go to class. Hey, hey, what's your name? Mark. Hey, Richie. You know, so everyone called me Richie which didn't help my confidence at all. And uh, if the teacher pointed me out and said, hey, Mark, read something out, my, my face would turn as red as my hair. You know, I'd get embarrassed really easy if I had to come up on stage. So this, this insecurity, this inferiority was really like a prison around my life. And um, I would have never believed I'd be up talking to people um, and doing some of the stuff I've done. And, and so it was like a prison that really kept me captive from being... Uh, what God wanted me to be. And it took a lot of time to get out of that prison and break free and took a lot of encouragement from other people uh, just to accept myself. You know, now, of course, being tall is great. Weather's good up here. Uh, a little closer to God than most of you. Um, you know, redheads are cool. Come on, most of you are burnt out or, or you, you got the beach where you used to have the waves. Let me get that tomorrow. So being tall is great. Being redhead's great. You know, on fire for God. Uh, so it took a while just for me to accept myself, uh, let alone have confidence that, that God could use me. And I'm, I'm thankful for that journey of, of freedom. You know, there are a lot of things that can hold us captive or in a prison. Uh, prison break is our theme for tonight. Uh, sometimes we can be in a prison of anger or a prison of fear. Some people live in a prison of depression. Depression has been called the common cold of the emotions. We all have times when we feel bad. Team loses. Rained out on your barbecue. But sometimes that low mood settles in for a long time. Depression can be a a, a big prison. Um, Bitterness can be another prison. There are many things that can be a prison around our lives. And the great news about Jesus is one of his first sermons, Luke 4, was, I've come to proclaim freedom. Come on, give me a good Braveheart freedom. Freedom! Braveheart didn't invent freedom. Jesus did. <laughs> Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim freedom for the captives. The good news is whatever prison you may find yourself in, Jesus opens the door 
and the possibility of us breaking free from whatever prison we find ourselves in is there. And so today I want to talk about another prison, a common one, and it's the prison of worry. So if you want a title tonight, it's Freedom from Worry. Uh, As I said this morning, us Aussies have this little phrase, no worries. Come on, no worries. We say it all the time, but the truth is many people, even Christians, worry a lot. And, you know, we can worry about our health, we can worry about our our relationships, our finances, the weather, when's the rain going to stop, when's the rain going to start, we worry about our, our career, we can worry about the future, the economy, where's it going? We can worry about terrorism or what's Donald Trump going to do next? Uh, you know, there's a, I thought that was funny. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can worry about. And, you know, the more you worry, the worse you feel. And the worse you feel, the more you worry. And the more you worry, the worse you feel. It's this downward spiral. And before you notice it, we're, we're in a prison of worry and uh, we've lost our joy. Um, the good news, again, Jesus, he understood. He understood the human condition. And so uh, in one of his well-known sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, we don't have it on video, but someone took some notes. And so we're going to look at a, a little bit of a section of that sermon. And Jesus had some things to say about worry. So I'm reading from Matthew 6. So we'll put that up on the screen. Uh, turn to it in your Bible, if you'd like, or your iPhone, iPad, or maybe you've memorized it. Go to that part in your brain. We'll look at it. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Have a look at these birds of the air. They're not sowing or reaping or storing away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they? Can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, look, have a look at the flowers of the field growing. They're not laboring or spinning. You know, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So... Do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the the pagans, those that don't know God, run after these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, for emphasis, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus understood that the human condition means it's very easy to end up in a prison of worry. And so basically, multiple times, he just says, stop it. Stop worrying. Don't worry. Break free from that prison of worry. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, we have to think. We have to put our heart and our mind and our prayers together and say, okay, Jesus says break out. Um, so how do we go about Breaking free from worry. How do we stop worrying? Well, I'm going to share a few of my thoughts. We're going to use the word STOP, S-T-O-P, if you like acronyms, S-T-O-P. Uh, four thoughts on breaking free from worry. The first uh, thought is to specify your worries. Letter S. Ask yourself tonight, what am I worried about? Uh, sometimes worry can be a vague cloud over our mind, like an overcast sky, that just depresses us and gets us down. And it helps sometimes just to 
specify, to clarify, what am I worried about? Jesus did this in his little talk there. He, he actually said, some of you are worried about food. In the first century, there's a lot of poor people, and some of them weren't sure where their next meal was coming from. He says, hey, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Uh, some of them were worried about clothing uh, in Palestine. If you've ever been to Israel, in the winter it gets very, very cold. And so some of them were worrying, would they be warm in the winter? Uh, some of them were worried about the future, about tomorrow, because the Roman Empire was in charge and it was a very oppressive empire. And so Jesus was able to specifically not just say, don't worry, but he says, some of you worried about food, some of you worried about clothing, some of you worried about tomorrow. And so the lesson here is, if we could just be specific. So maybe later on this evening, get a piece of paper and just write yourself the question, what am I worried about? And make a list. If you need two pieces of paper, get a second piece. Just get it all out of your head and get it on paper. When you specify it, you can kind of start to deal with it. Uh, Here's an interesting statistic. Uh, Our research project was done a few years ago at what we worry about. And here's what the research project revealed. 40% of what we worry about is never going to happen. 40% of stuff on your list will never, ever happen. 30% of what you worry about, and I worry about, it's in the past. It's already happened, and you can't do anything about it. 30% is in the past. 12% of our worries are about our health. And how many know when you worry, your health actually gets worse? Yep. Uh, 10% of our worries are minor. They're petty. They're just insignificant. They're not worth your time and energy. This research project indicated that only 8% of what we worry about is substantial or legitimate, and half of that, another 4%, is beyond our control. So research tells us that 96% of our worries are not worth our worry. Now, they could have saved all that research just by listening to Jesus, who said, don't worry. But 96% of what we worry about is really a waste of time and energy. And so just get it out of your head. Specify, what are you worrying about? Have a look at it. Um, how many know, anyone been shopping and got a trolley with one wheel that doesn't work? Come on, who always gets that trolley? (laughs) You you know, and what is that like? Isn't everything hard and difficult and it's squeaking and you're squealing and it's, it's, it's a drain, isn't it? You know, one negative emotion on the inside of you is just like that. Worry is just like that. It just saps your energy and your, your joy. And that's why Jesus says, don't worry. And so the first step in breaking free from worry is just to specify, be specific. What are you worried about? Get it out on some paper. Letter T, our second insight for breaking free from worry, is to take action on your worries. So you've got your list, one page, two pages, three if you need it. You've got your list. That you're asking, what am I worried about? The second question is, can I do something about this? Can I do something about each of those items that you've listed? Can you do something about it? You'll discover if you turn your worry into an action, if you turn your problem into a solution, you tend to crowd out your worries when you're working on them. When you're doing something about what you're worried about, worry tends to diminish and sometimes even to disappear. In fact, I'd say this to you. Worry is useful if it gets your attention for something that needs your action on. I was telling the guys yesterday, you know, 
Um, I think I was. Um, you know, if you drive home tonight and your red fuel light comes on, don't get the hammer out and smash it and go, I rebuke you, you negative thing in Jesus' name. You don't do that. How many know the red light is your friend? Come on, work with me. I know this is really deep. The red light is your friend. It's getting your attention that something needs your focus, all right? So, so you got your list of worries, you've specified, now you want to go, is there something I can do about it? And so with the red light, you're driving home tonight, the red fuel light comes on, what, you could start to worry, oh no, I'm going to run out of petrol, oh no, I'm going to have to walk in the rain, oh no, I'm going to be late. Uh, it's amazing how our imagination machine kicks in. Uh, but no, no, don't worry, turn your worry into an action. Turn into the petrol station, open up the petrol tank, fill up your car with petrol, and your worry will disappear. I've come all the way from Melbourne just to tell you, when your red light fuel comes on, be sure to stop and fill up and worry will disappear. Like, like this is like I have a doctor of ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary, you know, uh, and I'm helping you here. There's no Greek in this, but this is really deep, deep stuff. It's really funny, but here's my point. Imagine if we did that with every worry in our life. Imagine with our list as the red light's flashing, just like we go and fill up with petrol and the worry disappears. Imagine if we took action on the worries we can do something about. Maybe you're, uh, what do you call your small groups here? Connect groups? Life groups? Yeah, maybe you're a life group leader. And uh, one of your life group members, her name's Mary, and you haven't seen her for three weeks. You can start to worry. I wonder where Mary is. Maybe she's left my group. Maybe she doesn't like me. Maybe she's gone to another group. Maybe she's left the church. Maybe she doesn't love Jesus anymore. How many know we have really creative imaginations? You could spend all week worrying about where Mary is. No, 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 no. Turn your worry into an action. Get on the phone. Hey, Mary, just I was thinking about you. How's it going? Oh, you've been away. Often it's nothing to do with all the stuff you've imagined. She's been out of town for three weeks. Just give her a call and the worry disappears. Maybe you go to work tomorrow, you're walking down the hallway, and someone you know on your, on, on your team at work, they walk right by you and they don't even say anything. And, and you go, oh, maybe they're upset at me. Maybe they're stabbing me in the back. You, you, you just start going with all the stuff that could be happening, you know. Um, maybe I've annoyed them. You know, maybe I'm getting fired today. Like, like, it's amazing what you can create. No, no, no. Turn your worry into an action. Hey, hey, John, you, you seem a little bit quiet. Is everything okay? Oh, your mother's not well. I'm so sorry. You know, often it's not even about us. It's something totally different. But we spend hours sometimes wasting energy worrying about stuff. And so how to break free from worry? Jesus specifies, have a think. What am I worried about? Secondly, Can you take action? You know, a lot of worries are a decision waiting to happen. A decision waiting to happen. And once you make a decision and begin to do something about it, take initiative, as we talked to the guys yesterday, then worry just disappears because you're actually working on that situation that you've been worried about. Uh, Maybe you've had a conflict with someone. Don't worry about it. Make a phone call. Say, hey, can we have a coffee? I think it would be good if we had a talk. When you're doing something about the problem, Worry tends to disappear. Are we doing okay tonight? Thank you, Mark. Good preaching. I'm really enjoying this tonight. Just encouraging myself a little. 
So specify your worries. Uh, letter T, take action on your worries. Another thought in breaking free from worry is to offer up a prayer to God. Um, I reckon Paul heard the podcast of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Because how many know a good sermon's worth repeating? Yeah? Yeah, copyright means copy it right, or the right to copy. Uh, and so Paul, later on, he writes a letter, and uh, he says this in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, Don't worry. Oh, sounds a bit like Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's Paul repeating what obviously would have been passed on from maybe Jesus' oral tradition. Don't worry, he says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, he gives us another tip by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us another tip. He says, uh, offer up a prayer to God about what you're worrying about. I love uh, the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson translates this section of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness or peace. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Isn't that beautiful? I love the little uh, phrase that I've underlined there. Shape your worries into prayers. Would you say that with me? One more time. Shape your worries into prayers. So, so first of all, what am I worried about? Get it all out on a list. What am I worried about? Secondly, can I take action on any of these worries? What decisions can I make? What can I do about it? And now begin to shape that worry into a prayer. So simple, but incredibly powerful. Uh, back in 2007, we had a pretty horrendous time as a family. It was just one of those seasons in life where just a lot of stuff was um, happening. We really were knocked around. It started with our, our dog passing away. And how many know dogs are part of the family? And uh, so that was really sad. And then Nicole's mum had been quite unwell. Um, Nicole's an only child. And her mum had been diagnosed with thyroid, and she was getting thinner and thinner. And then we took her to a, another a hospital to get a second opinion, and we found out she had advanced stomach and bowel cancer. She'd been misdiagnosed, and she passed away in three weeks. So we've lost our dog. Nicole's mum passed away just before Christmas. Um, my dad had a heart attack and open heart surgery in this kind of six-week window. So just like bang, bang, bang. And then uh, I'll never forget New Year's Day. 2008, um, we were in bed and uh, the, my mobile, my phone went about 5 a.m. in the morning and some voice, I didn't even know who it was, are you uh, Mark Connor? Is, is Josiah your son? I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. He says, you need to get down here, there's been an accident. So we threw our clothes on and drove from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne down towards the bay and uh, our kids had been at some friends of ours who lived down by the bay and they'd stayed up all night. Um, New Year's, and uh, they decided to go down and see the sunrise. And so my son Josiah was driving his car, uh, his brother in the front seat, sister in the back seat, and two friends. Uh, he, had, he hadn't been drinking, but um, as they came to an intersection, he fell asleep at the wheel. And so they came to an intersection and jackknifed with another car. 
So we arrived down there, 5.30 in the morning. It was like a bomb scene. There were ambulances everywhere, cars, and uh, it's a miracle anyone lived. In fact, the policeman said to me, one in a million walks away from an accident like that. So we we were glad they were alive because not every accident ends that way. But um, our son Josiah had teeth smashed in. Ashley, his brother's foot went through the window, 27 stitches in one of his feet. Broke a couple of vertebrae, was in a brace for six months, daughter, broken toe, scratches. Like it was just, it was horrific. In fact, we went to bed late that night, New Year's Day 2008. Nicole and I finally hit the sack about, hit the sack about midnight. And all three of our kids were in the emergency ward of a hospital with their friends. So, yeah, it, it, like this, it was a horrible time, a horrible time. Uh, thankfully, they don't all live, but they all recovered and they're all doing okay now. Um, You know, one thing I discovered that following year is that incident of trauma, uh, it kind of had an ongoing effect on me. And I found that um, we'd be having a a family gathering. If the kids were running late, my mind would trigger and and I'd start to go, oh, I hope they haven't had an accident. We'd be up in Echuca with some friends who have a, a boathouse and we'd be sitting in the boathouse having our coffee and the kids are water skiing and I'd be watching, waiting for them to come around the corner. And there they are. And I found that I started to worry. Anytime they were late or not around, I, I was worrying and having memories of that, of that car accident. And uh, around this time, I, I read this scripture, shape your worries into prayers. And so I actually started to do that. Uh, sometimes... Verbally, sometimes just in my head. And so if the kids were running a little late, I just find myself shaping the worry into a prayer. And I'd be saying stuff like, God, uh, you love my kids more than I do. You know where they are today. Would you watch over them? Would you protect them? Would you bring them here safe? I just started praying for my kids. Anytime I started to worry, I'd start to pray. So I started making this a habit in my life. And it's amazing if you do this, you know what? You start to pray a lot more. And you also discover the enemy kind of stops sending worry because every time a worrying thought comes in, you start praying about that thing. It's an incredibly powerful little ritual. You know, maybe you go to work tomorrow and you hear there's going to be some redundancies. You can start worrying about losing your job. Shape that worry into a prayer. Father, thank you. You are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Thank you for this job. Father, you're going to watch over me. Thank you. I've never seen the righteous uh, forsaken or their seed begging for bread. You start praying about what you're worrying about. And not only do you pray more, but worry tends to start to disappear. Try it. I think you'd be quite amazed if you would just shape those worrying thoughts and then just start to talk to God about that worry. That's what Paul says. Uh, Shape your worries into prayers. Letter P, so we've got specify your worries. What are you worried about? Get it out of the cloud, clear. Uh, Take action on your worries. Do something about what's within your control. Uh, Offer up a prayer to God. And then letter P is to place your trust in God. I guarantee there'll be some things on your list that you go, Mark, I can't do anything about this. This is out of my control. There's no action I can take on this particular item. And this is where we place our trust. In God, an old well-known proverb, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. When you can't do anything about it, we have to place our trust in God. Jesus actually referred to the birds and the flowers. Just, just watch them. They're not stressing out. They're trusting that there's a God watching over them. And if God is watching over the birds and the flowers, how much more is he watching over you? 
this is not as easy as it sounds. It involves sometimes accepting uncertainty, accepting that life isn't always within our control, but acknowledging that our life is not subject to luck, fate, or chance. There's a well-known verse in uh, Romans 8.28. It says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him are called according to his purpose. Anyone heard that one? Probably on some of your fridges. God causes all things to work together for good to those that love him are called according to his purpose. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God causes all things. There are other forces that work in the world. We make decisions. Other people make decisions. It doesn't say God causes all things. It doesn't say all things are good. Car accident is not good. Cancer is not good. A marriage breakup is not good. It doesn't say all things are good. It also doesn't say all things have a happy ending. Nor does it say all things work out the way we want them to. Come on. Not every business makes a million dollars. Come on. Not every kid scores straight A's. Not every marriage lasts forever. It doesn't say everything has a happy ending. What it does say is God causes all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the bitter, and the sweet, to work together for an ultimate good because we love him. Uh, There's an amazing story. You've heard it in the Old Testament story of Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers and uh, spent 13 long years in a prison after having all these dreams for his life and wondering, God, where are you? What in the world's going on? And uh, near the end of the story, he's reunited with his brothers. And he says this powerful phrase, Genesis 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, 20. He says, you meant it for evil. It was wrong. It was hurtful. He didn't go, hey, it doesn't matter. It's okay. You meant it for evil, he said, but God used it for good. You meant it for evil. But God used it for good. You know, there's different ways to look at the world, um, different worldviews. And I once heard a musical example, and uh, it was quite helpful for me. Um, Some people see the world a bit like a classical orchestra. Anyone like classical music here? Two people? Three, four, five? Yeah, yeah. I used to play eighth grade piano. Uh, Classical orchestra is one view of the world, and it's like this. In a classical orchestra, everything has been pre-written. Uh, It's already been predetermined what you're going to play. So you don't have any freedom, as it were. There's the time signature, there's the the speed, there's the phrasing, there's the notes, and you are simply playing a script that's been given to you. It's been pre-written. Some people believe the world is like a classical orchestra. Uh, It's already been decided what's going to happen. Have you ever heard someone say, well, it happened, so it must have been God's will? You ever heard that? Not in Queensland? It's a view called determinism, and determinism is it's already been decided, it's already made up, you don't have free will, you don't have a choice, what will be, what will be. It's just all going to take place, so we just kind of work with it. That's one view of the world, a classical orchestra, determinism. Some people react against that level of control, and they come way over here, and they see the world more like a jam session. Anyone know what a jam session is? Come on, where's all my musos? With a jam session, come on, Tony, there's no music. No one's in charge. It's just make a joyful noise. So the keys are going for it. The drums are going for it. The sax is going for it. The guitar, it's just a cacophony of sound. And if it feels good, do it. Some people think the world's like a jam session. There's no plan. There's no order. There's no destiny. Uh, It's called existentialism. If it feels good, if it makes you happy, uh, just do it. That's another view of the world. It's a third musical genre that's not a jam session, not a classical orchestra. 
It's a little bit of a blend, and it's called a jazz band. Anyone like jazz in the room today? All right, got some jazz people here. With jazz, it's an interesting genre because there is some structure. There's a chord sequence. There's a rhythm underneath everything, but there's something called improvisation. Uh, One instrumentalist will play something, and then someone will respond and answer, and then someone else will play something, and uh, there's all this interplay and interaction. Sometimes there's discord and dissonance where the music clashes, and so there's all of this stuff happening, but underneath it all, the music's going somewhere. There's a sequence. There's a sense of rhythm taking the music forward. Are you following me? Uh, I'd like to suggest to you the world's more like a jazz band than a classical orchestra or a jam session. See, you, cho- you, you make choices. I make choices. Sometimes there's dissonance and discord and chaos in our lives. There is free will. But underneath it all, there's something called providence. The hand of God is at work. That's what Joseph is saying. You did this. It was hurtful. It was painful. I had no idea what was happening. But God has used this to get me here, to be a blessing to the world. And so I love the idea of providence. That God is at work in the good, the bad, the painful, the joyful. God is at work. I can trust a God like that. Um, You know, I enjoy doing a bit of cooking, and I do a number of recipes. My wife's a great cook. She just throws things together, and it's always amazing, but she could never repeat it. Um, I follow the instructions, you know, and then I vary it after I've mastered it. Uh, One of my favorite recipes is a Thai curry. Anyone like Thai curry? Uh, Yeah. And so it's interesting with a Thai curry. I was cooking it one day, and I I just noticed some of the ingredients you wouldn't like by themselves. Like, have you ever just had a glass of fish oil, just recreationally? (laughs) You're probably not going to go fish oil. Uh, Have you ever had a tablespoon of curry paste? No. Not even you, Sonia. No. Uh, I mean, this... Come on. My Indian friend. Yeah. So, you weren't offended, were you? No, of course. I have many Indian friends. So, I lost my moment there. There's certain ingredients that you wouldn't have by themselves. Fish sauce, spoonful of curry. But isn't it amazing when you mix them all together how an incredible flavor comes out? And I reckon life's a bit like that. If we went around the room today with a microphone and said, have you had anything painful happen in your life? We know it's going to be a long night. Because every one of us have had some things that by themselves, you go, I I don't want that again. (laughs) That was incredibly painful. That was incredibly hurtful. But isn't it incredible how God can mix everything in our life and make something beautiful, something beautiful of our life? And so we, we trust in God, the God of Providence, who's at work. Don't understand it all. I can't look back and explain why things happen. Even Job, at the end of his story, he he encountered God, but he he never really figured out why it all happened. And I don't think until eternity we'll really figure out the mystery of suffering and why some things happen as they do. But this is where we place our trust in the providence of God. And so... In kind of summarizing this message, it's, it's pretty basic. If you only get one thing out of the message, get this right here. There's two things you shouldn't worry about. Okay? Number one, don't worry about things you can do something about. Just do something about it. Number two, don't worry about things you can't do something about. Did you catch that? 
Don't worry about things you can do something about and don't worry about things you can't do something about, which basically means don't worry about anything, right? Some of you are catching that, aren't you? Things you can do something about, fill up with petrol, <laughs> make a phone call to Mary, ask that per- take action on the things you can do something about. Get rid of those worries. The things you can't do something about, offer a prayer to God and say, God, I don't know what to do here. I trust in you. In doing so, we break free from a prison of worry. Why break free from worry? Well, as I said, it doesn't help us unless it leads us to action. Also, have you noticed worry takes our joy away? Have you ever tried to worry and be joyful at the same time? Let's try that together. Ready? I'll count to three. Let's worry and rejoice. Ready? One, two, three. (laughs) It's pretty hard, isn't it? You're either filled with joy and worries out of your life, or you're filled with worry and joys out of your life. That's why Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And one of the reasons the enemy wants us in a prison of worry is so he can take away our joy. The other thing about worry is it gets us focused on our own needs and our own concerns gets us preoccupied with our own world. You know, Jesus did give us one other tip. He says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Then he says, but instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, get busy being a blessing to other people in your world. And so one of the things that worry does, it gets us consumed with ourself. But when we actually turn our focus outward and we're a blessing to others, it's amazing how worry starts to disappear. Imagine an entire church, the Rock Church, leaving out of here tonight, free from worry. Free from worry, going out into our world, ready to be freedom fighters for other people. The opposite's true. If we all go out of here in a prison of worry, how many know we're not much good to anyone? And so my prayer is that each one of us and the Rock Church will be a group of people that break free from the worry that so often holds us and we can go out into our world free from worry, being a blessing to those around about us. Everyone said amen? Amen. Amen. So there's a a few thoughts on breaking free from worry. I hope that tonight's message has been helpful for all of you because I think we all struggle a bit with worry. I kind of think maybe there's a few people here tonight that you go, this is just what I needed to hear tonight. Like you, you came in here and you've got a little bit of cloud of worry over your head. How many honest enough? Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. Come on, don't worry about lifting your hand. All right? Yeah, okay. Um, appreciate your honesty. Um, if, if you'd like to, I, I'd love to pray for you tonight. So if you lifted your hand up, would you mind just standing where you are? Come on, we're at church. Just stand up. All you're doing is saying, hey, I brought some worries with me tonight. And this message is just what I needed to hear. And we're going to pray that God's going to help free you from worry tonight. Amen. We go out of here just with that burden lifted off. You know what I'd love to do? There's a good lot of people standing. Um, If you're not standing and you're you're part of the church community here, I'd love to just get, you know, one or two people around those that are standing, just just a hand on their shoulder and we're going to pray for one another tonight. All right. So you might need to move out of your seat. Just make sure no one's standing alone. So have a little look around. And if someone's standing, come on, just put a hand on their shoulder and let's, let's pray for one another tonight. huh? How about we do that? Uh, there's a couple of people towards the back. Just, just move over, hand on a shoulder, and let's pray for one another. Here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you for the challenge tonight to break free from 
worry. And as we lay hands on brothers and sisters today, right now, I pray that you would give them courage to make decisions where there's things they can do something about. Lord, if there's worries that they're carrying that simply are a decision waiting to happen, I pray that they'd go out of here and they would take action on those worries and the worry would go in Jesus' name. Lord, for those worries that are beyond our control, that we don't know what to do about, Lord, we're praying about them right now. We're bringing them to you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.